Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Plane. I am joined here by Bryce Rossler. Bryce is here to help me cover the NFC North because he's a Lions fan, writes for Lions Wire, and he also writes for Inside the Pylon. Bryce, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well. How you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm ready to talk some NFC North. And honestly, we could dive right in to the Chicago Bears. But before we go into their draft, we have to look at what they did this offseason. I mean, they kind of revamped their team entirely. There's a whole new entire philosophy that's going to happen here with Matt Nagy coming in from Kansas City. They bring in Allen Robinson, who tours ACL in week one. You bring in Taylor Gabriel to surround your young quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, with all of these weapons. And then you go and you have the draft that they did. I kind of love what this team has been doing throughout the offseason and into the draft. I'm imagining you would agree as well. Yeah, as much as I hate to say, I think Ryan Pace has done a a really good job. I think he kind of shot himself in the foot last year in terms of the Trubisky trade. But if he pans out, then that's that's totally fine move. Um, But their first three picks this year were, were really good. They should come in and all help immediately. Roquan Smith has potential to be an all-pro linebacker. James Daniels is going to fit really well, especially considering that Iowa ran that zone-heavy scheme. Chicago ran a lot of outside zone, inside zone last year, and I imagine that will continue under Nagy, who's coming from the Chiefs, so he's a good fit. And then Anthony Miller should round out that receiving court, gives a nice complimentary big body to go along with Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. So I, I really like what they did uh, through the first couple days of their draft. Yeah, man, you also bring in Trey Burton to kind of be that Travis Kelsey of Matt Nagy's offense, and it's just really exciting, especially when you really picture their receiving core last year. You had Kevin White, you had Marcus Wheaton, you had players of that ilk, and now you're bringing in all of this talent. Mr. Trubisky, I'm sure he's going to be, everyone's going to be looking at him to take that next step forward, but literally, their first three picks in this draft are immediate contributors to this team with Smith, James Daniels, and Anthony Miller, and I honestly, I really love their fourth round pick, Joel Iyabonwe, I believe that's how you pronounce it, but he's going to be kind of this hybrid player to be to be utilized in Dick Vangio's defense. He's big, he has gigantic hands for somebody who can play safety. He's more than likely going to be an outside linebacker being around 230 pounds, but he was used at Western Kentucky as a specialist in blitzes, and he racked up tackles for a loss. He had over 20 tackles for a loss the last two seasons, had over five sacks coming, playing really everywhere on that defense. So I think he can come in and be one of those unique contributors to that defense. As can Bilal Nichols, who I've done a lot of work coming out of FCS. I watched a lot of film on Bilal. I thought he struggled to kind of finish the play a lot of the times. Like he would get his hands, try to arm tackle, and he just wouldn't really make the tackle. And that was one thing that I came away with on his film, but he had exceptional quickness for a man of his size. So I honestly loved the Bilal Nichols pick in the fifth round. I think he can come in and kind of compete on this defense that is somewhat underrated. They have a lot of, they don't really have one star name on this defense. I guess you're looking for players like Leonard Floyd to really step up. You bring in Danny Trevathan a couple years ago from Denver. He's dealt with some injuries. You bring in Aaron Lynch this year. But all in all, the defense wasn't really the issue last year. No, no, not at all. And Akeem Hicks is another really, really underrated player. Fuller's really good for them. That defense was not the problem last year. The problem last year for them was John Fox mm-hmm. and trying to transition Mitchell Trubisky into a starting role with a complete lack of talent around him. So I think that having Nagy come over from Kansas City will do wonders for Trubisky. And I think that influx of offensive talent around him, he should take a bigger jump. Um, I'm not the biggest Trubisky fan, but, but he kind of had 
it was kind of a Jared Goff type of situation in his first year, so we'll see if he makes that jump in his second year. Definitely, and you got to look at the back end of this defense too. Adrian Amos is going to be a free agent next year. You're going to have to lock him up because I look at players like Adrian Amos and players like Kevin Byard from Tennessee, and those are kind of those young safeties that don't necessarily get the accolades for how good they actually are. You also have Eddie Jackson, another young safety they drafted out of Alabama last year. So if these younger players, Jonathan Bullard, Leonard Floyd, some of these guys who haven't yet, I guess, lived up to, quote-unquote, their potential, they step up, this team could legit make the playoffs this year. I don't think that's a ridiculous notion, do you? I, I'd, I'd be hesitant, just because the, the NFC North is going to be really, really competitive. NFC in general, um, yeah. You know, Packers obviously getting Aaron Rodgers back is huge. Rodgers is capable of dragging the worst of NFL rosters to the playoffs. The Lions are going to be competitive this year. Hopefully Patricia improves that defense. They got a little better on offense this offseason. So I, it would be it would be a stretch for me to say that I think the Bears could make the playoffs. I think they'll be better than they were last year, but that division is just brutal. You also got to look at the entire NFC. The NFC West is ridiculous. You're not really sure what you're getting from the NFC East with the Giants and the Cowboys. And then the NFC South is more than likely going to have at least two teams from there, but 5-11, and 11, I'm expecting an upgrade on that. Also, just to round out their draft, Kylie Fitz, I thought that was a very solid pick coming out of Utah. He's not the most flexible, I guess, in the hips, has really good ankle flexion, though, and he's just somebody who's kind of struggled through injuries at Utah, but he's a very, very strong kid, can hold up at the point of attack, has long arms. I think that was a solid pick to kind of help improve this front seven that, again, like we already alluded to, isn't as bad as some People might think it is just because the Bears have kind of been abysmal the last couple of years. But is there anything else you want to say about this draft? No, no. I think I think we covered all our bases there. I I I'd expect for them to go, you know, six wins, seven wins. But that's kind of a situation where their record won't necessarily reflect how much better they got. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And I also look at the Rams last year. If you, if people would have say the Rams were going to be as good as they were at this time last year, they would you would they would look at you like you were crazy. You know, no one expected the Rams to be as good, but they brought in a young offensive mind that could actually, you know, coach Jared Goff, a young quarterback. It's kind of a similar situation. Again, I don't necessarily think the Bears will make the playoffs again. I think that's more of a testament to the NFC's strength, but if everything comes together, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. But let's move on to the Green Bay Packers, another team that had an absolutely amazing draft, especially when you think of the fact that they were able to steal a first-round pick from the New Orleans Saints. What was your reaction when the Saints traded a first-round pick to move up to select Marcus Davenport? Well, when they did that, I thought they were trading up for Lamar. So did I, yeah. So so when the pick came down and it was Davenport, I was shocked because the, the Saints, obviously, playoff team last year, they're in the twilight of Drew Brees' career. He's still got some stuff left. So you think if they're going to do something like that, they're either going to they're either going to get their quarterback of the future, or they're going to get an immediate impact guy to contribute during their Super Bowl window that they've got the next year or two. So you get Marcus Davenport. He's he's kind of raw. Uh, so that that was a shock to me. Yeah. So the the Packers really did well there. That was that was a good start for uh, their new GM. And then they got a – Jairi Alexander should not have fallen as, as far as he did. Played most of the year hurt, played played really well hurt. And then for them to double up and get Josh Jackson in the second round, they're, 
that obviously they they came into this with the intention that they were going to improve their secondary. That's something that uh, that the old GM tried and tried again to do. You know, Kevin King last year, jury's still out on him. Year before, didn't get anybody in the secondary. Then you got Marius Randall, who they traded the Browns. Quentin Rollins, who hasn't quite panned out. So that's that's been their Achilles heel. So they really they really did well to to address that. I think. I think the Packers had a home run draft. I couldn't agree more. And I know my main man, Jeff Thayer, who is a Green Bay fan living in the Chicago area, also loved the fact that they had a first-round pick and doubled down on the corner position, getting Jair, getting Josh Jackson. Jair, sticky man coverage kind of guy. You can line him up in the slot. You could do so many different things with him. Josh Jackson, more of a typical zone type, but he has you know just an amazing ability to find the ball when it's in the air. So I love both of those picks. also love what this team did in the offseason. You bring in Jimmy Graham and Aaron Rodgers, he can hopefully they develop some kind of rapport out of the tight end position. You can do so many different things with Jimmy Graham. You bring in Muhammad Wilkerson from the Jets to kind of help this defense. And also Muhammad Wilkerson has familiarity with Mike Pettin, who is now the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. So the Packers are looking to kind of just put this all together. I don't know, would you consider Mike McCarthy to be on somewhat of a hot seat right now after missing the playoffs and going seven and nine? It's it's tough to say because the new GM I, I'm going to butcher his last name, but is it Gutekunst? Am I saying that right? I'm not 100 percent sure to be honest. <laughs> okay, well we'll we'll roll with that and pretend I'm right. But he could. That's a similar situation to what Bob Quinn inherited. You kind of got a guy who has, in, in the eyes of the fans, rode the coattails of his quarterback. Teams want to. Teams expect more. Uh, the fans expect more of the team, I should say. So he could. I, I thought after Quinn's first year, he was going to buy himself a rebuild year and fire Caldwell. We ultimately retained him and then fired him a year later. So he McCarthy may not be on the hot seat this year, but I would think he's got to do something within the next two years to, to keep his job. Yeah, that's something that I would imagine as well. When I when I look at this draft, too, I'm looking because the Packers, Clay Matthews is getting up there in the age. How are they going to get after the passer? Nick Perry, he's a, he's a fairly good pass rusher. I think we can all agree. You're not sure what you're getting out of Kyler Fackrell, who they drafted in the third round out of 2016, and they're going to be looking for Vince Beagle to step up. But you bring in Oren Burks, who he's – some people think of him as an outside linebacker. I don't think of him as necessarily a straight edge rusher. He comes in out of Vanderbilt, drafted him in the third round, but they didn't really address the edge position. Granted, the edge position wasn't the strongest this year, but I have some concerns about that. Now, I love the front seven with Kenny Clark, Mike Daniels. You bring in Montrevious Adams out of Auburn last year, Muhammad Wilkerson. So they're going to be that team that can stop the run more than like Jake Ryan stepped up last year as well. But... How are you going to get after the passer, especially when you have all of these young pieces in the secondary who might struggle? That's one of the, uh, I guess, concerns I have with the Packers' defense as a whole. You have Josh Jones, young player. Kevin King, young player. Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson coming out of Iowa. All young players. And if you don't, if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, this is going to be an issue for the Packers. Yeah, absolutely. I know there was a lot of Packers fans that weren't pleased. They doubled up on corner. They, they wanted an edge in the second round. But like you said, Edge just wasn't that deep this year. So rather than, than reach on a guy, they, they doubled up on the corner. And I think that what they have, you know, you mentioned the pieces. They got Wilkerson. They got Clark. I, I think with what they have, they can they can 
scheme some pressure from their odd fronts. They can get a little bit of pocket push with the guys that they have, and then they're just hoping that their their corners are going to come. I don't think that their pass rush is going to be anything special this year, but I think they can get enough pressure to let their corners work. Yeah, and I mean, that's what I'm sure they're hoping. And not only did they double down on corners, they tripled down on the wide receiver position. Obviously, we know Jordy Nelson is now over with John Gruden in Oakland. But they draft Jamon Moore in the fourth. In the fifth, they go out to Marquez Valdez-Scantling out of South Florida. And in the sixth, they get EQ St. Brown out of Notre Dame. And I'm guessing they're just going to just keep adding these wide receivers and whoever is the best, whomstever is the best, will win the job of being the fourth or fifth receiver. You still have Geronimo Allison, who they seem to like. Trevor Davis is still on the roster. D'Angelo Yancey had at Purdue last year, still there. But outside of Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, those roster spots are sort of up in the air, right? Yeah, for sure. And Justice Mosqueda of Bleacher Report did a really interesting article on Jimmy Graham that kind of got me thinking. He did this back in March, but he talked about how the Packers really value red zone targets and you look at the the receivers they drafted um and you look at their skill sets you know they're all kind of guys that can thrive in the red zone and so i think what they did was they took flyers on bigger taller more physical guys to try and replace jordan nelson Um, so who which of them will emerge and fill that role remains to be seen but I think that's kind of what their goal was with all those picks. Yeah, and uh, I mean, they obviously executed that and addressed it, so we'll see how they can develop these three young, intriguing prospects. EQ St. Brown's one of the more intriguing ones to me because throughout the draft community, I saw people that had him in the second round. I saw some people, very like people who really study the draft, have him in the first round, and he ends up falling to the sixth round of the draft, and he played at Notre Dame, and his quarterback this past year, Brennan Winbush, wasn't exactly the most accurate quarterback. So they could have got a steal here, and I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it kind of all develops. The Packers also drafted Cole Madison. I haven't done any film on him, but they're just addressing the offensive line position. He could play guard for them. We'll see if he can compete for a guard spot this year. And then J.K. Scott out of Alabama in the fifth round. J.K. Scott, one of the better punters in the NCAA this year. you have anything else you want to say about the Packers? Their seventh-round pick, James Looney, is not a guy that I did film on, but there were a lot of people, uh, well-respected evaluators, that were high on him. I think Jonah Tulsa's a guy that really liked his ability to rush as a three-tech. So they, you know, you can never really count on late day three, seven-round picks to, to contribute immediately, but that might be a, a guy that could surprise some people for them. That's good. I mean, they're going to they're gonna need some of that on the defensive side of the ball. But moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Vikings had a, I guess, interesting offseason, an interesting season in general. Case Keenum leads them to the NFC Championship where they lose to the Eagles. Obviously, we all saw the play against the Saints where Marcus Williams misses the tackle on Stephon Diggs. Pat Shermer ends up leaving. He was the offensive coordinator, takes the New York Giants head coaching job. So you have a lot of change here. You sign Kirk Cousins to this massive deal, fully guaranteed. It's kind of it's unprecedented in football, and it kind of sets a standard for all these other players to get paid. Now you have Kirk Cousins coming over from Washington. You get Dalvin Cook back from injury. You look at this team, you look at Adam Thielen, you look at Stephon Diggs, you look at the running game with their offensive line. Do you think they could repeat and go to the NFC Championship game again? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that roster is, you know, with the exception of Cousins, they, they're basically the same roster as last year. 
like you said, they're getting Dalvin Cook back. He was sensational before he went down with injury. So I don't think there's any reason to think they can't make it back. Yeah, I mean, and we, that defense is just something special. I mean, they really have done a great job drafting Rick Spielman. You have to give him credit. And then they also bring in John DeFilippo to be the offensive coordinator. Obviously, he was with the Eagles, a team that beat them in the NFC Championship game. So he's going to be the OC there. And you look at the draft. Mike Hughes, I think that was a pick that fit what the Vikings want to do. you got to look at their roster. You look at players like Trey Waynes, who hasn't exactly lived up to it, but he was a first-round pick. He's going to get the shot now. Terrence Newman is going to be a free agent, and he's literally like 55 years old. So you need to kind of bring in a lot of corner talent to compete, and that's exactly what Mike Hughes will do. Mike Hughes had some off-the-field issues, and he might have gone a little bit higher if he didn't, but he's also a special teams ace he can be a kick return and he's an incredible athlete so I think this pick kind of worked out well for what the Vikings identity really is see this is the first part where I'm really going to disagree with you and here's why all right so the Vikings are a relatively young team a lot of their a lot of their key pieces on defense are younger players on rookie deals you talk about Hunter uh, I think Barr is is about to be due a deal I think he's on his fifth-year option from his rookie contract. He is, yeah. Um, and so the move they made with Kirk Cousins to me was a declaration that we're going for it in the next two to three years. Yes. And so here's why I don't like the draft. is because their draft strategy was it, it's, it's dichotomous to what they did with the Kirk Cousins. I think, you know, they, at corner there's a bit of a logjam. you got Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayne, they drafted Mackenzie Alexander a couple years ago. Obviously, Terrence Newman can still do some stuff, but he's, like you said, he's going to be a free agent. He's a dinosaur. But their first couple picks, Mike Hughes, is he going to contribute immediately? Uh, is uh, is Brian O'Neill ready to step in on the offensive line? All right, let me step in right now. Uh, okay. I agree with the Brian O'Neill thing, and that's where I was going to go. But with Mike Hughes, I don't know if you have the draft pulled up, but where would you have liked them to go at pick 30? Because they do sort of, because Kirk Cousins is still young. The reason I like the Mike Hughes pick is because you're not 100% sure what you're getting out of Mackenzie Alexander right now. Now, Xavier Rhodes is great, but you're in nickel packages the majority of the time. I think you need as much corner, proven corner talent. I'm not saying Mike Hughes is proven, but you just kind of bring these guys in. And I think the element that he brings on special teams is also just an added bonus. But at 30, is there somebody else that you thought they should have pursued? Well, let's let's take a look. So, I'm, and I'm not saying Hughes is a bad player. I'm just saying you've got you've got guys behind him, um, or guys in front of him, I should say, that that should be contributing. But I th- I look uh, just looking at the draft, a guy that stands out to me, Harold Landry. Yeah. Uh, you know they already have Everson Griffin and, and Daniil Hunter, but it, you can't get enough pass rush. In the in the NFL, um, I would I would think that Landry, the ability to rotate Griffin, Hunter, and Landry, would keep those guys fresh down the stretch, and you would have you would have guys with fresh legs in the playoffs. I think that maybe the snaps might not reflect an immediate contributor, but what he can do to relieve some of those other guys would be big for them, especially since they're poised to make a deep playoff push. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know what exactly was up with the Harold Landry thing, because there was something that we might not have known about, must have not known about, 
to result for him to fall that far because he was a top 15 player for me and he falls all the way to mid-second round. I mean, that was ridiculous. I'm not sure what it was, his knee, does he not love football? You hear all these rumors, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely see where you're coming from. I personally don't mind the Mike Hughes pick. I don't know we can agree to disagree on that, but the Brian O'Neill. I, I, I see where you're coming from. They've made this mistake in the past where they drafted really athletic tackles that have not worked out. Now, this is a second-round pick, not a first-round pick, Matt Khalil. But Brian O'Neill, I saw him at the Senior Bowl, man, and he was kind of getting abused a lot. And I, it wasn't as bad as his fellow Pittsburgh teammate last year with Adam Biznawadi, and Giants know him all too well. But Brian O'Neill, I thought this was way too premature for him. I'm sure you agree. And then uh, Jalen Holmes in the fourth round, I actually like that pick because you can line him up at three-tech. He really can play anywhere, and he did that at Ohio State all up and down that defensive front. So he can just be, again, keep your legs fresh, bring him in. He can spell Sheldon Richardson. He can spell Limbo Joseph in you know nickel packages and pass rush packages. He can do many different things like that. So I thought that was decent value for him as well. Is there anything else about this draft that you didn't necessarily like? Because I could totally see where you're coming from with Brian O'Neill, but any of these other picks that you felt, other than maybe a place kicker in the fifth, that you felt that they should have uh, really gone a different direction? The Vikings, if I'm not mistaken, need a guard, don't they? I believe they do, yes. And that's why I think a lot of people had them drafting Billy Price, who ended up going guard center. They needed interior offensive line help. And when you look at their starting, they have Tom Compton, and then Nick Easton as their two starting guards with Pat Elfline starting at center. Yeah, so I would I would think that uh, in, in lieu of Hugh, going back to the Hughes thing, and I'm I'm going to beat a dead horse here, but I think in lieu, another player you could have gone or a couple players you could have gone in lieu of Hughes would have been uh, Austin Corbett mm-hmm. going out of Nevada, and and your your boy Will Hernandez out of Utah. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with either of those picks. I love both of those players, and I think they could have fit well with the Vikings, too. But other than that, I mean, I, I liked what the Vikings did in free agency. It's just I felt that their draft was more geared towards down the road, and, and they need that because they're going to, they're you know, Diggs is coming up, Hunter's coming up, Barr's coming up. You're going to have to extend these guys, um, so you have to you have to get replacements somewhere but I just thought that they were really going to go for it after Richardson, Cousins, and the draft to me didn't match up for it. So that's that's why I'm a little low on the Vikings draft. Than most people. No, I got you. And they probably had, I mean, I, them or the Lions, because I, I mean, I love the Bears draft, I love the Packers draft, so if we're going to rate drafts right here in frickin' May, it would be either them or Lions that had the quote-unquote worst draft of the NFC North, but we'll get into the Lions here in a little bit. Tyler Conklin, Central Michigan, I actually think this pick was pretty good, a very athletic kind of tight end, and they could just kind of bring him in if they use 12, 13 packages, they can use utilize him with Kyle Rudolph. And then Adaruna is somebody that I watched too, out of Tulane, that's where I also watch a lot of Perry Nickerson too. So I did an evaluation on Adaruna, and he seemed like he played a little bit out of place at Tulane, but he's an incredible athlete. And they can just mold all the other parts of his game because he kind of needs to refine the nuances of playing deep at the end. But when you have all of those physical traits that he possesses, you can kind of mold him into whatever you want him to be. And that's what Mike Zimmer is going to do. I think this is a great landing spot for Adaruna because he's not going to be relied upon whatsoever to play when you have Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, and all of these boys that they have on that defensive line. So good pick late in the draft. Let's move on then to your Detroit Lions. Now, I'm just going to let you have the floor, man. Talk about the draft for the team that you love. So, first round, they go Frank Ragnow. 
and, and when that pick came down, I, there was a bit of cognitive distance for me, and here's why. Ragnow is a really, really good player. They needed a center. Travis Swanson, they need an interior offensive line. You know, Graham Glasgow can play center, but Travis Swanson, they, they parted with. So they needed either a guard or a center, and Ragnow is arguably the best here offensive lineman in this class. So on the flip side of that, the Lions' pass rush really needs help. I don't think that Ziggy Ansa he's been hurt the last two years, so he's kind of an enigma, but I'm not sure that he's ever been the player that Lions fans think he is. Uh, Anthony Zettel had a, a pleasant year, but he's more of a complimentary defensive end than your go-to guy. So I, when Harold Landry was sitting there, I thought that was you know, got ties to Paul Pasqualoni, the new defensive coordinator, so I just thought that that was a no-brainer. So, but it's, I don't want to, the Frank Ragnow in and of himself was a good pick, but I question their draft strategy in terms of neglecting him. Now, second round, they trade up with the Patriots. They take a running back. I would have liked to have seen Darius Geis, Jeff Risden, um, who's, who's pretty well-connected, said the team was never interested in him, but to, to trade up for on Johnson, who I think is a good player, was a little puzzling for me. Tracy Walker, in the third round, I thought was an absolute... I won't point him. I thought he was a horrible player. I thought he was absolutely horrible. He was, good for, he was good for at least two busted plays a game against Tulsa. He, he was either directly or indirectly responsible for four touchdowns, I think I counted. You know, he's kind of stiff in the hips, he's unrefined in man coverage, kind of lacks a position in the secondary. So that, that kind of, that was a little bewildering to me. Uh, as the draft went on, I like what they did more. Uh, Deshaun Hand, I don't think is everything that he could or even should be at this point, but he makes sense for them as a guy that can play three technique. Uh, he showed some ability there as a rusher in Alabama. He can play five tech and odd fronts. So he can move around a little bit, might fit better uh, in the new defense compared to what last year would have been. Uh, I really like the value of Tyrell Crosby in the fifth round. Uh, Brandon Thorne is, is really high on him. I think that he can play, you know, he'll be a swing tackle for us. And then could even replace TJ Lang down the road. And then Nick, uh, to round it out, they got Nick Bowden, the, uh, the fullback for San Diego State. So they they really emphasize the commitment to the run game in this draft. I know that the Lions' run game has been something of a meme for better part a decade plus. So they that's the commitment they made. But the trade up for Carryon Johnson, you know, you could argue is was he the best running back available? If you were going to go running back, uh, neglecting pass rush, a Tracy Walker pick. So I, I I'll be honest, I and I hate to say this, but I came way underwhelmed by the Lions draft. Okay, yeah, and, and, I can, and I can see exactly where you're coming from. So if the Lions draft was a PUBG city, would that be like Gatka, or would Minnesota be Gatka? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say that Minnesota's draft is Gatka. Okay. Because what you got, uh, what you end up getting is probably not the best, and then you're playing the long con. Um, 
and hoping it'll work out eventually. And then the Lions draft. The Lions draft is Primorsk. Okay, okay. The Lions draft is Primorsk is because you've got some good stuff, but you're probably still not where you anywhere close to where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And it's a question of, are you going to make it with what you have? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. And then, uh, I mean, I think we're, we both believe the Bears would be Pachinki, the best draft there is. You jump there to get into the shit, quote-unquote. Yeah, yeah. So the Bears, they they immediately got into the action. They got three uh, ready-made contributors that should make an impact in their rookie year if they're all, if, you know, health permitting. Exactly. So I would yeah. say, and, and Pachinki is the best spot to land. So you just you get in there immediately. What you get is good, and then you try and do some damage. Although you may not make it out. So I think that's. That's a good comparison for the Bears. They're, they'll get better this year. Oh, yeah, they'll get dude. get some wins, yeah. but they're probably not going to make it to the playoffs. It's like they landed. It's like they landed, and they found an M4 with a times 4 scope and a level 3 backpack right away. Yeah. Yeah. Now, they might not make it out, but they can do some damage with it. Yeah. So, I would say the Bears draft is Pachinki, and then the Packers. Who are the Packers? Because the Packers, they, and they also got that future first-round pick, so if the circle works out for you, you can kind of chill in this city, in this specific city. It could be Malta, or it could be that Y city. I would say the Packers draft is shelter. Shelter? Okay, that's only when yeah. you do duos, though, right? Because you yep. can't, yeah, okay. Yeah, but they got, but that's exactly what they got. They got a, they got a, a really good cornerback duo. You're, you're kind of where you need to be in terms of uh, next year. You're, you're close. You're going to be close to the circle no matter what. And then you, along the way, you might pick up a couple things that end up being good, like Oren Burks or Jamon Moore. But you're, you mainly got those, you got those two things, and that's, and that's what you're going to, you're going to leverage, as Dan Hatman would say. Yes, Dan Hatman would definitely. Say that, yeah. So I think that was a good breakdown of the NFC North in its entirety, and when you link PUBG cities to that, you know that's that could be a future episode or something like that, man. Where you link the drafts or the teams and what PUBG cities they are and why. I would love to. I'm sure the audience who play PUBG would love to know who Georgia Pool is. Would love to know who the military base is. Would love to know what the Lip City is. So there's a, there's a lot you can dive in there. Who would the power plant be? I don't know. Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll investigate that. But all in all. The NFC North, I mean, I think, again, just like you alluded to, the Bears, I think, had the best draft. Packers had a good draft. And the Lions and the Vikings maybe left a little bit to be desired. Yep, I would I would agree with that. It'll uh, be a really competitive division this year. I'm interested to see how it shakes out. Same here. And when you just look at the entirety of the NFC, it's absolutely ridiculous. You have no idea who's going to be the teams to go to the playoffs because there are so many good teams in the NFC right now, and a lot of young teams at that. But... This has been great, Bryce. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. So you can find me on Twitter at B.T. Rossler. That's R-O-S-S-L-E-R. You can also find me writing for Inside the Pylon with Nick here and on Lions Wire and Browns Wire on the USA Today sports media group sites. Sounds great. Hey, man, if you don't have anything else, we'll call this a show. All right, sounds good. Appreciate you having me, Nick. Hey, man, this is great. Hey, for everyone else, you guys enjoy your weekend. Be safe and have a lovely, lovely day, night, or afternoon. Take care now. Bye-bye.